Welcome to the third annual MacroFab Star Wars Christmas Special Podcast. I'm your guest, Josh Rozier. And we are your hosts, Stephen Craig. And Parker Dillman. This is episode 152. By day, Josh Rozier does business intelligence and data analytics for a large East Coast insurance monolith. By night, he is Roz, a level 5 scoundrel and chief troublemaker of the Star Wars D20 RPG group. So, Josh, how do you and Steven know each other? Uh, so, Steve and I probably met, uh, it's got to be about like, 15, I don't know, 15 years or so ago. I, we were in, I was in high school, right? Yeah, so I was in high school also. 16, 17. Uh, we knew each other through friends of friends. He played guitar, I played drums. My parents had a garage, and we liked similar music, so. And the magic happened that one fateful night. Yeah, I think I think more or less... You know their drummer that they had on in their band that that Steve, that Steve was in. What was the name of the band? Oh, uh, <laughs> it was No Guarantees. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, that's so. <laughs> no bad. Guarantees. I was in an emo band, like a full on. It was like emo pop punk. It was embarrassing. But yeah. uh, our our <laughs> drummer. This is gonna get cut from the podcast. Probably. You know. Yeah. No, the recording's no. gonna go missing. Yeah. Well, our drummer. <laughs> Uh, well, let's put it this way. Josh was better than our drummer, and so we tried to recruit Josh. And he didn't actually end up playing with that band, but we just ended up making a friendship instead. Yeah. So we stayed in contact for years. Steve was the best man in my wedding. I was the best man in his wedding, and you know he can't get rid of me now. So Yeah. But, but <laughs> Roz, in, Roz is now. a complete Star Wars nerd, right? True, true story. Yeah, actually... Um, I'm I'm now prepping the next generation of little Roz's. Uh, it's like every family movie night. That's the first thing they ask for. What do you guys? What do you kids want to watch? Star Wars. Actually, <laughs> we watched Rogue One today with my son, and uh, did it blow uh, his mind? Well, so I was I was like pretty good, huh? And he's like he's like on the verge of tears. I'm like, son, what what's wrong? He goes, there's no Luke Skywalker. <laughs> oh no where's luke skywalker i'm like it's okay buddy he's he's on tatooine like putzing around with some droids right about now you're good <laughs> and and you wait your son's what five yeah he's five he's kindergartner so star wars is about the most important thing in his life right now so as it should be well that sounds like you're bringing him up well i'm proud i'm a proud father <laughs> so yeah this is the uh third annual MacFab Star Wars Christmas special podcast. Um, so I guess we should just go ahead and just jump right into Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. We do this every year where we talk about the technology of Star Wars and we get a little bit nerdy about it. Uh, not a little bit. We get a lot of bit nerdy about it. <laughs> I mean, it's also like it's our podcast, so we're always nerdy. So, Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> thanks for the invite. I'm glad I could be part of the third annual. This is this sounds like fun. I've been I've been. uh anticipating since you guys sent me the uh the text i don't know a couple weeks back i've been like listening and watching youtube videos on like well well they call it now legends right but it was the expanded universe back in the day so i, I got lots of mental materials saved up here well and wait didn't didn't disney pull the plug on the extended universe yeah dude they retconned the whole thing they just nuked it all and they were like <laughs> all right we don't like any of this uh you know King King Disney, uh, Michael Eisner, or whatever his name is, Iger. I don't care. Yeah, he he pretty much just pulled the pulled the plug on 
pretty much all the backstory that I've learned since I was a kid. But yeah, it, that that part kind of sucks. Um, but when you actually did look at a lot of the EU stuff, it a lot of it was bad. Yeah, some of it started getting a little crazy. Like, don't even get me started on the Yuzon Vong or any of that <laughs> bullshit. All the all the uh, future yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, it, it just felt like well, basically what Lucas Arts would do is they would be like. Basically, someone would say, I'd want to write a Star Wars story, and they're like, sure, do it. Well, so so this is how ridiculous it got. So in defense of the decision to, like, nuke the whole thing, right? I don't agree with it 100%, but so Cloud City, the second movie, Empire Strikes Back, right? There's the part where Lando gets on the horn and tells everybody, evacuate, the Empire's taken over the city. Well, as people are running out, there's this, <laughs> this dude... He's running out with an ice cream machine. And you see him for like yeah. a second in the movie. There's an entire bio written about that guy now because of the expanded <laughs> universe and what he was carrying and his backstory and where like it got a little ridiculous. But you know, it's I, I, I suppose Disney was thinking maybe they should just uh, this is this is going to sound mean and I don't mean it this way, but drain the swamp and start over, you know, drain the swamp. <laughs> Yeah. You know, actually, a, a little bit, because um, I think the problem with the old EU, or Legends, as it's called now, is there was no cohesive umbrella that tied everything together. Um, not to say that Episode 8, or 7 and 8, also, they lack that same problem of that overarching storyline as well. <laughs> but but at least all the new, the new Extended Universe stuff that Disney's been coming out with, like, it makes sense and like they're connected and like everything's it's actually really good. Like there hasn't been something that's come out from Disney in the expanded universe stuff yet. That's been bad. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been keeping track with what their new, like they call it Canon, I guess now. Right. And I don't know, you know, I don't really have a clear idea of what's canon and what isn't. Obviously, the movies are canon. There's some there's some other like related. I know they have some cartoons that that run that have been running for years that are considered canon and all those backstories. But for the most part, like you know, I, uh, we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not gonna worry about that for this discussion. We can kind of see if you guys call me out on anything i'll be perfectly fine with it but i you no, know. i i personally don't care well there's, there's one thing that i really hope for uh and and actually this came off of a video i was watching about um, family guy you know how family guy did a few star wars episodes right blue harvest they did like a standalone episode right yeah well they did three standalone episodes that were like an hour long and uh the entire time they're making fun of star wars and but i i watched something about that and and they they mentioned the writers mentioned that LucasArts was fantastic to work for because basically they didn't have to really even ask permission for anything. They were like, can we just write Star Wars jokes? And LucasArts was like, yeah, sure. And they and they said, what can we do and what can't we do? And they're like, ah, just whatever. Uh, and and I <laughs> yeah. kind of like and it's great. Like the Star Wars universe was like super open with Lu- LucasArts because they just let anyone do anything. And I yeah, sort of hope that Disney allows a little bit of that. Because George Lucas was probably doing the Scrooge McDuck routine through all of his cash at that point. He's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want. Yeah, just pay me money. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and break right into it. So each year we ask our guests uh, at the beginning. What is your favorite Star Wars character? 
So, so I've been struggling with this. What you asked, you asked the. I'm not gonna say I'm like king uber nerd about Star Wars, but you know, as far as sci-fi is concerned, this is the pinnacle for me. So, I've been like struggling with the question. So, as far as (laughs) as far as Squish is concerned, like I started on okay, Boba Fett, right? So, like Boba Fett was badass up until the prequels, and then they did the like part of the mistake. Like the 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 good thing about Boba Fett was the mystique. Like you didn't know who he was. He didn't say much. He wore this badass Mandalorian armor, and then they just screwed it all up by showing us this little kid like running around with a funky accent and a bad haircut. Like I don't need to know who Boba Fett was. He was badass because I didn't know who he was. So, so what what do you think about the Mandalorian then? I'm excited because uh, so I hope they don't do something stupid like say, oh, it's just like he had another clone in the closet. Django did, and they tr- you know like marched him out. No, apparently what there's a lot of rumors online, right? But it's like Venture Brothers. Yeah, from what I can understand, <laughs> it's like it, it's like somebody who was inspired by Boba Fett or Django Fett or both, and like had a set of Mandalorian armor or came across it somehow. And I hope I hope they they don't try and tie it too close to either of those characters. So long story short, I can't pick Boba Fett. Um, <laughs> Real quick, you know, what's going through my head right now to keep that mystique that you're talking about. I could see in, in the movie where he never takes his helmet off ever. And they show scenes of him like sleeping and he's got sleeping. his helmet on. He's taking, taking a, a shower. shower. He's, shower got yeah. helmet he's got that helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> Eating. Pink. Yeah, like, pink. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I still Boba Fett from the original trilogy. Yeah, badass. But once you start getting crazy, yeah, stupid, right? They just ruin that character for me. Um, then I was like, okay, well, Cassie and Andor from Rogue One. He's pretty badass because he's like a super flawed character, right? First, one of the first scenes you see him in, he he freaking sh- like offs a dude by shooting him in the back. Um, like super shady, kind of like morally questionable, but means to an end kind of character, like true, like chaotic good kind of person, right? Um, but then I was like, he, you know, I'd like. I, rumor has it they're they're working on like potentially maybe a Cassian Andor spinoff, maybe some of his backstory. I also like the fact that he's kind of like a like a not James Bond, but. You know, he's like this special ops kind of rebel soldier, which they don't show a lot of. You know, usually it's the Jedi flying around in the type in the uh, the X wing and like you know, super golden boy, Mister Magoo, like Luke Skywalker, and this guy's kind of shady and then in the shadows. I would pick him, but he's uh, he's outruled. And this was my way of picking three characters here. If you haven't figured it out yet, <laughs> um, <laughs> I got to go with Darth Vader. Best one of the best villains in cinema. Forget like I understand he's his story's weakened by the trilogy and, and like I'm I'm your prototypical fanboy right the trilogy suck, um, <laughs> but no Vader it's he's he's got the conflict he's very complex the suit the lightsaber like all the backstory everything that's been written about him, um, I, it's hard not to pick Vader in my mind and, for and he he was pretty awesome in Rogue One too. Yeah, that thirty seconds of him walking down the hall, and just well, that was it, that was the first 
well, one of the first times in Star Wars movies where we like we see him being like actually evil right. as like Vader, like actually like go, like wrecking shit. Yeah. But 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 isn't that isn't that sort of like going back to the mystique? Isn't that sort of exactly how it's supposed to be? Where you never in the in the prequels you don't really see him do a ton of evil. So it's up to your own mind to project. You into just said didn't do a ton of evil. Yet in the episode three, he just murders like five, but, like okay. fifty children. But but so no no no. So. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean the prequels. I apologize. I mean the uh, the the four five six. The original trilogy. The original okay, trilogy. Okay. That's what I mean. You're right. He just like force chokes a couple people. And that's about it. The first guy he force chokes. Well, actually, okay. So the first guy he chokes, he doesn't do it with the force. He does it with his hand. And then the second right. guy that he chokes, he actually lets go. Yeah, that's true. Because Tarkin bitched at him. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, you're forgetting about the part when he gets onto the the blockade runner ship and he picks up the the. No, that's that's what I'm talking about. That's the Rebel first. Okay, that's okay, the first okay. person he kills, and he does it without the force. Casually yeah. crushes his trachea with his fingers. Yeah. Yep. His fake fingers. <laughs> That's <about> sure. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, and so one quick thing, actually, on um, the Rogue One character, I can't remember his name, Cassian, right? Cassian Andor, yeah. Uh, I w- I, what I love about that is it shows kind of the cross-section of what the Rebels are willing to accept, mainly because, like, that's... That's just like the Joe Schmo that's out there, you right. know. Well, it's it, yeah, and I mean, we I'm sh- I don't know if we'll get into you know the discussion about which movies we think are good and why, but I'm sure it'll be part of the discussion. But I feel oh, like I'll add that to the end. I feel like that's why <laughs> that's why Rogue One, in my mind, was one of their stronger efforts, right? Because I feel like the movie kind of grew up with the audience in a sense. And it, it I, I heard rumors that they even at the original screening that they showed Disney, Disney was like, uh, this is a little too dark. You guys have to cut some of this out. And they did. So like, even what you see now is slightly sanitized by the mouse and we'll, it's still, it's, it's, you know, gritty and kind of, it's like a star Wars war movie. Um, yeah. It reminds me a lot of like, um, kind of like band of brothers. Yeah. Kind of set up, yeah. Well, and that's so. the cool thing is, is it, it it's willing to show characters that aren't like perfect, and that's what makes it believable, right? If you got the perfect character who always makes the right decision and the good guys always win, and you know there's always you know some light at the end of the tunnel, well, everybody freaking dies at the end of that movie. <laughs> Spoiler like, alert! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If anybody's listening to this podcast by this point, <laughs> what's Rogue One like? Three years old, two years old at this point? Yeah, so. we're, we're past statute limitations on that one. Yeah. yeah, I think we're actually past statutes on uh, on Episode Eight. We might Correct. we might be talking it's over about okay. Last, so 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 Roz, your uh, your favorite character. Uh, we've boiled it down to Vader, and that's totally respectable. So the so the second question that we ask all of our guests is, what's your favorite droid? This one's pretty easy for me, actually. Uh, it's K2SO from Rogue One. Uh, it, part of it is because he's a reprogrammed Imperial droid, so that that brings back you know shades of another robot from my childhood, played by an unintelligible Austrian. Uh, you know, so Terminator Two, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I also I like the fact that he's you know a 
more than just the comic relief in the movie from a droid standpoint. He's actually a main character. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I like the fact that and he wrecks shit and, you know, he's, you know, he's kind of got a little bit of a sense of humor and a smart ass, which obviously they throw in for the comic relief. But um, I, I just like him because he's a he's a droid, but he's actually a character in the movie versus like C-3PO and R2-D2 who are just there to either move the plot along or, you know, provide a little bit of. They pad you know, the story ha-ha's. really hard. They do. Yeah. 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 So that one was actually pretty easy for me. Uh, so the the funny thing is the la- last year's podcast I said that was not my favorite droid. <laughs> <laughs> well okay so so has, has yours changed is it now that Parker or have you made modifications? I've made modifications. Okay. Um mainly because uh this year I went through and listened to the audiobooks for the Aftermath series of Star Wars which is the new stuff that Disney's coming out with. And so the Aftermath series takes place after episode 6 and for like like the six or seven months after episode six, where like the Empire has lost its second Death Star and the Empire is crumbling and the rebels are, you know, still trying to, you know, because like that's the thing is what people don't realize is like after the Death Star blew up in episode six, the Empire still exists. They just lost like a couple Star Destroyers and a killer moon base. And it's like you still got like, you know, a thousand star destroyers left and yeah so it's like so it, it, it talks about that downfall but there's a character in it um one of the main characters he has a droid that he's built and modified called mr bones <laughs> and he is a b1 battle droid from uh the clone war era that has been like painted red and has like like bones like grafted onto him and He's been reprogrammed with like lots of different programs. And so he like talks to you or talks to the uh, main characters and stuff. But um, he basically likes violence and likes killing people. And he's sadistic. Like <laughs> one of his one of his quotes is, I say we blast the meatbag and save you the trouble master. <laughs> and his voice is like like, you know, like in, in uh, Clone Wars where like like Roger, Roger. Like, he's got that voice, but since he's so, like, his memory is so corrupted, it's, like, warbly and, like, distorted. <laughs> it's, it's just amazing. It's like if the Joker made a droid. Yeah. Bas- basically, <laughs> yeah. Like, and he, like, attacks by basically windmilling at people. <laughs> like a six-year-old so, like, little girl. Yeah. He, basically, his arms just start spinning up, <laughs> and, like, he's got, like, a, a, a vibro dagger that pops out of his arm, and it's freaking amazing. That's awesome. Interesting. Might have to read those. So uh, they have an audio. If you like audiobooks, um, Audible, do do that because the Star Wars like they do a production level on top of the story, oh, and so wow. like they have actors that are voicing all the characters, and they have sound effects, and yeah, it's awesome. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. So Stephen. Did you update? I think IG-88 was your favorite droid last time. Solid pick. Yeah, IG-88 was was last year's pick. I have made a modification on my favorite droid. And I, I put a little bit of thought into this one. And the, the what it all boils down to is if you look at the Empire in a nutshell, you kind of get you kind of get the feeling that it's like a really, really giant bloated bureaucracy. There's there's miles of red tape for everything that goes on. There's 
you know, councils after councils that have to approve XYZ. It's like a giant corporation. And you can see that reflected through their droid design and what they have going on. And there's a particular droid that I think really shows this. When Princess Leia in A New Hope is captured and she's on the Death Star and Vader comes to interrogate her, there's a floating black ball that has a syringe on the side of it. And they and, and the, in the scene, it actually like focuses on the syringe. And it's like somebody had to go through like the heartache of designing the giant floating ball to stab <laughs> someone with a syringe that some stormtrooper could just do. You know, like they yeah, have yeah. a specific robot for this one task. <laughs> and it's just like and it kind of goes along with those little like mouse RC cars that go around the <laughs> Like why? Like, but and and but it's not it's not necessarily why. Like it makes sense if you're a giant bloated bureaucracy, you would need a floating syringe ball. Like that's just you <laughs> need that. This, this is the best thing. Is I I looked it up. It's the the model number is ITO. It's an interrogation droid. But the best thing is like it's armament classifications. So it has an arc emitter. Number two on the list is bone fragmenters. What? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Chemical torture turrets. So it's got a stun gun, a billy club. <laughs> yeah. Drug injector, electroshock nerve probes. This is good. Flush peelers. What? How? Yeah. Joint cripplers. Okay, this is a purpose-built droid. Sonic torture devices. Victim analysis photoreceptor. And they still couldn't get something out of Princess Leia? <laughs> I find that hard to believe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think the, it's just the the ridiculousness that it needed to be a floating sphere that right. that did this. Yes, but like because it could just be like an R two D two unit that had all those things, it, yeah. or, or any other thing. Just, yeah, just send in some uh, some stormtrooper to like rough her up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, and and the thing is, to my recollection, those droids don't exist anywhere else in any of the movies. That's like one scene that they they that put a lot scene. of thought into it. <laughs> Have you ever seen the robot chicken bit about that droid? No, I haven't. Okay. Oh yeah, because it's like the doctor. <laughs> yeah, he's. I forgot what they call it, but it's funny. Go go watch it. It's on YouTube. It's it. I don't I don't remember what they have. Uh, what the like how you would even find it, but. I'm sure robot chicken droids would probably get you there. Uh, pretty probably. yeah, that's pretty much a guarantee. Well, shoot. Okay, so we we uh, we have now established our uh, favorite characters and we've re-upped our, our droids. Maybe they'll change next year. Maybe they won't. Maybe it depends on, uh, actually. Yeah. I think the next episode will be out by the time we do this podcast again. In fact, yeah, the the next, the next episode will be like moderately old. I think by then. No, no, it would just come out. Is is it coming out next Christmas? I thought it was coming out Christmas. Oh, okay. I thought it was in the summer. Okay. Well then we will have our, our final analysis. More then, fodder. Yeah. yeah, yeah more, more fodder. fodder. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, you we'll, wanna... we'll have to put a spoiler warning on the uh, next episode. Oh. Yeah. You, yeah. It, and it'll be a legitimate spoiler warning. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe we'll record right, so, yeah. this right before it. Well, we won't have anything new to talk about. No, that's true. But it's Star Wars. We always have new stuff to talk about. That's true. Anyways, on to the topics. I'll take a, I'll take the first topic on this one, and so I I we'll, we'll get a little bit nerdy here, but something came to mind the other day, uh, and it's the the idea of the Medi-Chlorians, 
uh, and the the idea that was put forth in I guess it was episode one is where they were introduced and this thought that Medichlorians are the explanation for the force uh, and it was they're like a bacteria or something yeah well okay so and and that's what I really want to kind of jump into because everyone's kind of thought of Medichlorians as this like living being or part of like your cells or some of the cells in your bodies have Medichlorians and I wanted to kind of breach another topic here and talk about is the force a force? And what I mean by that is, is the force, i.e. Star Wars, the force like a force of nature or is it something biological in a sense? And I started piecing together. Or can you draw like a body diagram for it? Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) everyone, uh, not everyone. I've basically heard nothing but complaints about the Medichlorian story. So I wanted to try to figure out, is there a way that I could potentially justify it and make it feel better? No. <laughs> well, but hang on, hang on. Let's, let's talk about this. Maybe I'll change your mind here. Okay, so... The, no, you won't. The, the, these, these Medichlorians were originally described as part of the cellular makeup of the Jedi. So basically like a living organism kind of thing. And um, in, in A New Hope, Obi-Wan has a phrase that he says, an energy field created by all living beings. Uh, and he's describing the force in that. So an energy field created by all living beings. And what, what I think is really kind of like key in that sentence is the fact that he says field. Because when you say field to an engineer, like that means something. There, there's like something behind that. And there's something to sink your teeth into. And so I, I'll preface this by saying, and our listeners know this very well, I'm not an expert in anything I'm about to say. I am more of a YouTube consumer <laughs> of knowledge. Uh, so I'm going to go a little bit into some quantum uh, theory and some quantum stuff. But but follow me on this. Okay. So take something like the electromagnetic force. Like, you know, you have two charges, a positive and a negative charge. Uh, they They exert a force upon themselves, right? Well, okay, so let's say you had uh, – let's take an example of two balloons. You have one balloon and you, you put a positive charge on it and one balloon you have a negative charge. Like, you know, the, the experiment where you rub the balloon on your hair. They, they'll exert a force on each other and you can watch them move apart from each other, right? Well, the question is how do they know that they exist? How does balloon A know that balloon B is there, right? And how does it exert a force across a distance? That's, a, that's kind of like a – a weird thing to think about and in quantum mechanics and in quantum physics like that question has been breached quite a bit uh and what it boils down to is subatomic particles that are called bosons uh gauge bosons in particular so gauge bosons are subatomic particles that are called force carriers pretty cool little word right there right force carriers and these, these subatomic particles are emitted by uh, fermions, which fermions are like your, uh, your standard uh, proton, electron, uh, y- your basic building blocks. But bosons are the actual virtual particle that exerts or extends a force out into, I guess you could say the ether. I mean, we're getting a little bit wacko here. But... There's right right now we are aware of four different bosons 
they are the photon, the W and Z boson, and uh, something called gluons. So we're going way deep here, but, but just follow me on this. The photon is the subatomic particle that carries the electromagnetic force or the electromagnetic interaction. All electrical action is basically carried by the photon. So things such as those two balloons that are charged positive and negative, they know that the other balloon exists across the distance because bosons actually travel that distance and they interact in a, in a sense. So subatomic particles from the balloons are actually jumping across from each other and uh, exerting a force on, them, on each other across the distance. That's the part that kind of gets weird. There's a field and it's sort of it's sort of incorrect to say the word field because field implies that there's something continuous and in quantum in the quantum world there's nothing continuous. Uh, however, the part that makes it not continuous is the fact that there's actual particles that are emitted and then felt by other particles. So the W and Z boson carry the weak interaction, which is responsible for things like radioactive decay. And then gluons carry the strong interaction, which is the basically the glue that holds atoms together. So we have photons, W and Z bosons, and gluons. I'm going to propose that a metichlorian is a boson and that Jedis A, have more of them and B, have the ability to interact with them. So instead of it being a living being, Jedis actually possess subatomic particles that they, in a sense, can control or can learn to control. So they're like Magneto, basically, is what you're saying? Well, I mean, that would be one part of it. And the, the thing that could be special about the Metichlorians is the fact that the Metichlorians can um, interact with any other boson. That's, what's, uh, that's what makes them special. Like a photon doesn't interact with a gluon. They're different bosons that have different force carriers. But a Metichlorian could be a boson that interacts with any of those. It's just a matter of, do you train with that? Do you know how to interact with that? And when Qui-Gon Jinn goes and scans Anakin in episode one, and he's like, oh, your Metichlorian counts off the scale, he could just be counting how many bosons that Anakin is emitting. It's because Anakin grew up near a power plant or something? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he drank the water. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, yeah, no, I'm, I think... I think that that is a explanation that I personally feel okay with. Like it kind of like ties it together in a way where it's like, okay, it's not like Jedi's are just filled with a bunch of bugs that do what they want. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like that, that that theory. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, it's it sounds believable, but I I no. Midichlorians are bullshit. <laughs> and screw George Lucas for midichlorians. Well, so, so here's, here's another thing that I think takes it a little bit further and I think brings it more into a human realm that I really, really like. Given the, the, given the idea that a midichlorian could be a boson, that gives you a physical thing to grasp. It's like, okay, we have a mechanism through which the Force works, but it doesn't explain the religious and spiritual aspect of the Jedis. That's where the humans come in, because they could have developed that entirely themselves. Humans are pretty good at 
at at making things religious. You know, if it's something you don't you can't explain, you kind of like build mystique and lore and legend around it. So there's this actual physical thing that we don't, or even the Jedi's don't understand, but they have this whole way of life that seems to fit very well with the boson idea, and they combine it all together into this religious and scientific thing. Well, it, it probably was. If, if we're going to go down this path, it was probably a religion first before they even knew about midichlorians. For sure. Oh, absolutely. So so here's here's a question then. Let's stick with your theory about subatomic particles and so on. How does that then explain the ability for people to talk to each other, get like entire solar systems away from each other? Quantum entanglement would do that. Yeah, so exactly. Quantum entanglement would do that. But at the same time, Consider this. Right now, uh, the moon's interaction, its mass, is actually pulling on you. But also the sun is actually pulling on you. And the Andromeda galaxy is pulling. Every bit of matter in the universe is actually pulling on you. Even if it's insignificant, it's still doing it. How does it reach across those distances and actually interact with Ra's? right now well it's through the boat the the bosons are actually it's they're virtual particles it's it's ridiculous but the thing is like the the distance across things doesn't necessarily come into play when we're talking about that uh it's i don't know it's difficult to explain but what i think is adjusting someone's mind at a distance can still be explained through the uh, a boson interacting with I guess, brain matter at a distance, right? Uh, it's still something that if you have that control, you can alter someone's mind by physically altering the makeup of what their brain is is, hap- is at that moment. Yeah, we, we see that, you know, in episode four where, like, you know, Jedi can influence the minds of the weak. And, I mean, that makes sense that that you could probably expand that concept to include, you know talking to someone across the the galaxy then at that point right so would then would then like light side and dark side be different subatomic uh, subatomic particles that people Ooh, are more I likely like to be able to like you have the ability to manipulate these types of subatomic particles because you're more familiar with them because you're an evil fuck or you know the light side ones are more likely i, I you know i don't know so I I think the well I I think the light side dark side is like the difference between like Buddhism and then like Catholic or Catholics. <laughs> it's, like, it's just a different religion to explain things. That's great. The Pope is the emperor. <laughs> yeah, the Pope's the emperor. <laughs> that's so great. Uh, that's funny. No, like okay. So I think I think you could say that the light side dark side is something introduced entirely because of humans. Uh, Because humans, or I shouldn't even say humans, because Star Wars is is multi-species. So it's it's basically based off of... uh, By sentient beings. Sentient beings, yeah, yeah. So sentient beings introduce good and bad, whereas the, the Force itself is actually one thing. It's just the way that you approach it or the way that a sentient being approaches it makes it good or bad. So so now that's interesting because I, I actually heard a theory the other day. I was watching, you know, I fell down the deep dark YouTube rabbit hole and ended up somewhere on a like a Star Wars theory paid 
whatever. I don't want to get into it. But it's basically, got like twelve views. <laughs> yeah, no, essentially. But basically, they were saying that neither the Jedi nor the Sith, like both, are wrong because they both went extreme in the other direction. And the Force is not dark or light. The Force is the Force, and it's these these extreme you know views or religions that these these two sects have embraced that um like have basically caused all the bad shit to happen because these it, the forces it it's like force is amoral it doesn't have like any good or bad it's just the force it just wants balance right so i think that that would kind of jive with your theory there that you're floating by even though Right, it's like you are justifying midichlorines, and <laughs> but it's human free will that ends up destroying what is good in a sense, or not good, but what is like neutral. Like humans are never, uh, or humans in the Star Wars world never can really ride the line of true neutral. They always have to fall one way or the other. Well, and so it's interesting because one of the, I think one of the things that The Last Jedi, maybe, we'll see, I guess, once they start wrapping up the, the new trilogy. One of the things The Last Jedi, I think, is trying to get the point across of is, hey, yeah, we all know the Sith is evil, Darth Vader, the Emperor, right? And all the legend stuff that, that's back in the back of all the Sith Lords and, you know, holocrons and all that shit. But <laughs> essentially, the Jedi are bad, too. It's like almost we've been like a perspective thing. You you just think the Jedi are the good guys, but in the sense they're just as like wrong. I don't, I won't say bad, but they're just as wrong as like the Sith were because they are focusing on a specific extreme of the force when the force is like just this general field, right? There's no morality attached to it. Right. So well, that, that would make sense. And, and, and get this. I, I love this. In fact, we talked about this last year. It was a, it was a prediction that we made where Ray from Episode 7 and 8, where she is not a Jedi, like capital J Jedi, right. because she hasn't gone through any of the formal training. In other words, she hasn't gone through the religious doctrine. Uh, yeah. It, it, she's, it, she's, she's what's a called a force adept. <laughs> Where she she can feel the force, she can involve herself in the force, but she doesn't know the the backstory. I guess you could say behind right. the force. And they even show other other beings and other uh, people using the force on top of that. And I think T- Disney's trying to open it up. So so here's the thing, though. All right, so I have this might surprise you issues with the way the way Ray becomes able to use the force i think i think the prototype for your the the force adept is from rogue one the the guy the the, cheer it the blind monk right yeah oh for sure that that that's a guy so the fact that ray just wakes up one day and is able to essentially kick the crap out of luke skywalker who george lucas himself said is the most powerful jedi that's ever existed um, just because she wants to, I, I still think the force requires like this focus and practice and regardless of the, the religious aspect of whatever the Jedi brought to it, right. Or the Sith, I still think it takes training and focus and like, you just meditation, can't, right. You can't just be one with the force. Like you have to learn how to 
be one with the force. Well, let me like, count, let me counter have... that with something actually. So get this. What if what if the intense meditation and study of the Jedi religion actually holds people back? What if that's something where they're actually hindered from actually using the power because they're so intent on uh, a specific method of doing it? No, so I completely agree with you, which is why I I kind of go back to that character in Rogue One, uh, cheer it right. And the reason I I pick him as an example is because um, he's he resembles a Jedi in no way, shape, or form. Right, he he doesn't stand on his head and pick up rocks or shoot lightning out of his fingers. He doesn't wield a lightsaber, but he's clearly a force user. So this is somebody that you know has become familiar with the force, trained to use the force. He believes, uh, and yeah, he's one with the force, and the force is with him. Yeah, and he, like he's shooting down Tie Fighters with like crossbows and <laughs> dodging bullets and stuff, and things that are clearly force, but not like anything you've seen in any of the movies. The problem I have with Ray is it's like, she's a Jedi, but she's just a super Jedi. Right. And it's like, Oh, I've never touched a lightsaber before. I'm going to kick the shit out of a Sith Lord who's been training with a lightsaber since he was an adolescent. It's very convenient. Yeah. And, and and if we're talking specifically, like if you want to make her a, a force user and a force adapt, do it. That's awesome. But don't, to your point, the things that she suddenly becomes good at are those very things that are the Jedi religion. You know, the lightsaber use and the the mind. How did she even know mind control freaking existed in the first movie? And yet she's talking stormtroopers into letting her out of her bonds. Like, how would you even know that existed? But she just yeah. decided she must have watched the first three movies is what it was. <laughs> well, and to your point. <clears throat> Okay, so in uh, in episode five, Luke goes to Dagobah and he's training with Yoda and he's having trouble, you know, stacking three or four rocks on top of themselves. The same general amount of uh, of Jedi-ness that Rey has in episode eight, she moves like half a mountain. Without even trying. And I'll admit that's super, super convenient. She she lifts like a couple tons of rocks to open up a path for everyone. And it, and she does it effortlessly. That's a little convenient. Right. So yeah, not to get off on like a, like a super tangent about away from your, your subatomic particle theory here. I, I, I think it makes sense. I, I'm, I like it a lot. I'm still bothered that you're justifying the midi chlorians, <laughs> <laughs> but I, when you put it to me that way, like maybe star Wars, maybe Lucas should have, like reached out to you before they like floated that bull crap in the in the <laughs> in the prequels cuz the way you put it that way okay I can buy it it makes more sense it's like magneto being able to like um you know manipulate iron metallic steel. particles right right so exactly exactly it, well and and my theory came about because I just wanted to justify metachlorians because they exist I wouldn't have this theory if metachlorians didn't suck <laughs> but I like my. Ba- I like. I like the way. Yeah, you you happen. redeemed midi chlorine. Ah, great! I've saved one person. <laughs> Jesus, I never thought I would say that in my life. Well, round of applause to you, Stephen. All right, Parker. Let's let's roll on to some of the uh, the topics that you've prepared. 
hyperspace ramming that we saw. So the the Last Jedi, I think, is like one of the worst. It is the worst Star Wars movie. I will disagree time. with you. I like it. It is the worst. Uh, um, I'm with Parks on this one. It is the worst Star Wars it movie is the ever worst. created. Mainly, mainly because it breaks so many rules that we've known to have existed in Star Wars. And one of them was hyperspace ramming. So at the very end of the movie, uh, the purple-haired lady turns the ship around and then ramps. (laughs) She flies through another ship. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And she turns the ship around, and in an effort to save the rest of her her crew, hyperspeed rams the the Mon Calamari ship uh, Hope 1 into uh, uh, Snoke's main flagship. I can't remember. I can't Which remember the name enormous. of that ship. It's enormous. Both of these ships are enormous, though. Like Snoke's sh- Snoke ship is probably bigger than the Emperor's, like super destro- star destroyer. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and so the the thing I have with this is, it's clearly hyperspace ramming was a very effective <laughs> right. at, at this at this thing, and so it's like, why is this not a thing in previous installments and? Like you could hyperspace sniping, like bases and and star destroyers and like the Death Star. You could like send one ship and just like with no one on it and just yeah. hyperspace. Just put or, a, put a hyperdrive on a cruise missile and, and like point it at your like enemy's home planet and hit the go button, right? Hit the go button. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, like you could like hyperspace ramming would basically make like capital ships entirely obsolete. It's kind of like how um, we've made battleships on the ocean and navies completely obsolete with aircraft carriers and cruise missiles um, because they're just too big and too slow. So and it's it's yeah. So you have these this idea that they in, they they put into this movie of hyperspace ramming and well, um, okay. So the scene that it happens is really spectacular. In terms of like, it's really flashy and it's really cool. Oh, it's amazingly it shot. Awesome. I, oh, yeah. I, I'm not going to argue. The like, cinematics are pretty badass. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it, it, it's really great. It's just like, but like the Empire builds ginormous super weapons where like an X-wing fighter that has a hyperdrive could just ram it and blow it up. Right. So okay. Uh, so I have a. Qu- I am disclaimer here. I, I got like a I think I like a C in college physics. I, I am not a physicist. I don't know. I'm about to go off on the reservation here onto something I have no authority to talk about. But my quick Google fingers, you know, E equals M C squared, right? Um as an object approaches the speed of light, it its mass becomes infinite, more or less. Right. So couldn't you blow up a star destroyer with a paperclip as long as it was moving the speed of light, more or less? Well, no. So, well, okay. So th- actually, that that what that what that equation says is to move mass at the speed of light, you need infinite energy. Infinite energy. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It kind of doesn't go the other way. Uh, well, it's just like that. That E equals mc squared is just an equation that just relates how energy is related to mass. Right. So when you convert mass to energy and energy to mass, that's the equation for it. Right, but doesn't it essentially mean that, you know, converting energy to mass, there's some there's some level at some well, point along that equation of in, infinite measure, right? 
Yeah. Well, the thing is, though, in Star Wars, like, even with, with faster than light stuff, like hyperdrives, yeah. they've clearly defeated. Physics this doesn't issue. exist the same way in that universe as it does in ours. Right. Yeah. Well, they they were they figured out if, if, even if it works the same, they figured out a some technology to get around the fact that the closer you get to the speed of light, the heavier your ship gets. Basically. Okay. Fair enough. So, all right. Then we'll put that in that bucket. Forget what I said about Einstein and all that shit. <laughs> um, but that's good. I think I think basically they explain hyper hyperspace is like an alternate dimension. But it, that dimension still interacts with this dimension. That's okay. how they they do it. Because like there's, there's that whole thing in Episode Four where um, they they have to calculate like Han Solo's got to calculate the hyperspace jump so yes. they don't so ram. you don't go through an ar- a star or an asteroid or something like he said, right? Right. So so when you go through hype, if that's the case, then when you're going in faster than light speed, you're not. You're not leaving this dimension. You are actually traveling from one point to another, and you're traveling through space to that point. Yes, according right. to that. Yeah. But but hyperspace is in. If you look it up on like Wikipedia or whatever, how how it's explained, it, it is a alternate dimension. But you're still in this dimension. You're kind of being carried in this other dimension. It's kind of weird. Um, so. People who defend this movie basically say only capital ships would have enough mass and large enough ha- hyperdrives to make this like a thing. So you would you wouldn't do it though because your capital ships are very expensive, right? Oh wait, Parker's got some calculations here. I'm calling bullshit on that. How so? What? Well, cause okay, just all right. If no, 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 no. Get- this is what people who defend the hyperspace ramming in episode eight say. Right. Okay. Well, so. Uh- my question is, why does it need to be defended? Like, it's perfectly viable. Well, okay, if it's perfectly viable, then why wouldn't they use it all the time? All the time. That's a good question. And so the reason why people don't use it all the time is because some people speculate that maybe capital ships like the Hope One would have enough mass and enough hyperdrive capability to make it work. The thing is, though... I did some quick math on an X-Wing, and the estimate weight of an X-Wing is like 5,500 kilograms, and that's based off like an F-15 fighter jet. They'll look about the same size. And so let's just assume light speed, not even faster than light. So it's just going... It's going real fast. So it's going really fast. It's going, um, what is it, 299 million meters per second. I think that's three, ton, three times 10 to the 8, something like that. Yeah, that would be, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so just kinetic energy, so one half MV squared for this X-wing, if it's going just the speed of light, is 247 quintillion joules, right. which is I have the number there. Yeah, it's got one, two, three, four, five, six, six commas in it. Yeah, six commas. Yeah, it's got six a lot commas. of juice. Six sets There's of three zeros. Yeah. There's a ton of energy. And so it's like an X-wing would have plenty enough power or enough energy if it was going light speed and slammed into something. So you could basically, you would take your X-Wing and, you know, line it up with the exhaust port on the Death Star and just shoot right at it. I mean, you you start basically this whole hyperspace ramming thing they introduced in Episode Eight starts punching holes in, like, everything that has previously happened in Star Wars. Uh, Like everything else that movie did. Yes. Well, okay. Um, okay. Actually, so follow me on this. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Maybe I can punch a hole in this. Let me think. Okay. If 
so E is equal to MC still applies. Let's let's consider that maybe maybe the speed of light is still unobtainable in the Star Wars universe, but faster than the speed of light is only obtainable because you're jumping dimensions. Where E is equal to MC squared doesn't apply in that other dimension. So in order to use something as like a ramming weapon, it would have to be enormous in order for it to work doing it that way. You get where I'm going with that? So you'd have to convert the ship into energy, basically, is what you're saying. Yes, exactly. So okay. so it's probably, in the Star Wars universe, it's probably still impossible to get to accelerate something to the speed of light uh, in in the XYZ time-space frame. Okay, well, so hold up. Let's just go with... Um, I'm just thinking through, like, business major physics here, not, not science physics that you guys are going through. Uh, you don't even have to get it to the speed of light. Right, you could just uh, get really close. You could even you yeah even like half the speed of light. I just did the math on okay, so Tsar Bomba was the largest nuclear device ever detonated on Earth, right? And I think the the yield was something ridiculous, like fifty megatons or something. Where it was just stupid, and it was but supposed to be a hundred megatons. A hundred megatons. So I just went to Google and I said. 100 megatons of TNT. What is that in joules? And it's 4.184 times 10 to the 17th power. (laughs) Which is, I think, and I I don't have paper in front of me and I'm not smart enough to do it in my brain. I think that's even less than what Parker calculated for just an X-Wing. Right? Yeah, it's it's actually uh, four, I think it's four orders of magnitude less. So you're talking about Enough energy with just an X-Wing, forget blowing up just a capital ship. You're talking about destroying continents at this point. No, go, go like straight through the Death Star. Send one right. X-Wing and go straight through it. Actually, exactly. that's the thing, though, You is the, the problem with hi- hyperspace ramming. This is actually a benefit, I guess, or a consolation to like this theory is like gravity wells cast hyperspace shadows. And so you can't use it to ram a planet oh. because you would just come you, when you got close enough to it, you would come out of hyperspace. Got it. So you, it ha, so basically the gravity well has to be small enough so you could do this. So is like the Death Star, does nah, the Death Star have enough so, gravity? So I don't buy that, though, because in so many movies you have shots of a planet with a ship, boom, zooming right in, like almost in the atmosphere, pretty much in orbit. That is true. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. They, oh, they do it in um, Rogue One. Rogue One, where, they do it where they get the the rebel fleet the, comes out of hyperspace and boom, right there. They're scared. Yeah, but then, but then the yeah, but that happens. But then, like the star destroyers show up, like right on top of them. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So maybe you can do it to a point. Like you can't like do the um, the uh, Battlestar Galactica jump into the atmosphere and then shoot all the fighters out and then jump back out. <laughs> Y'all seen that? <laughs> yeah. 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 That's like my favorite, like scene in Battlestar Galactica. Um, so I, you probably can't do that because you're too close to the planet in Star Wars. But I, you know, it, I, there's got to be a limit to to this because we know that gravity wells pull stuff out of hyperspace because the uh, the Empire has those uh, uh, ships are called they start with an I. Um, interdictors. Wait, actually, wait, no, but but wait, hang and on. Can pull ships I just out made of that up. I don't know if it's. <laughs> I think it is actually. In, in in Empire Strikes Back, the very beginning of it, Vader kills one of his 
I don't know, commanders, generals, whatever, because he says they came out of hyperspace too close to the planet. Yeah, Indictor class is what it is. Indictor class Star Destroyers have big gravity wells that they can just suck ships out of hyperdrive. Uh, hyperspace Wait, but in. Steve, didn't he say that because they were trying to keep the element surprise in Empire? I don't know. Was it was it the element of surprise, or did the guys screw I up and actually like lose a fleet? That's a good question. And at the same time, in A New Hope, when uh, when you know the the crew is first le- uh, leaving Tatooine, there's that star destroyer that basically follows them, and it takes them some time to jump into hyperspace. Is that because they're too close to Tatooine and they had to get further away? It's both. They're they're, they're calculating their jump and they have to get away from the gravity well. So here's a question for you. Then let's go back to let's go back to Last Jedi and purple haired you know super pilot. What what? What if the ship is just still accelerating to get to hyperspace? It doesn't just instantly jump to hyperspace. It has to, you know, accelerate gotta, in. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta get the, Ex- the hyperspace. Acceleration is a running. bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of puts you. Well, first off, if you're standing still and your ship accelerates up to light speed, wouldn't you basically go through the back wall of said ship? I, I don't know. Be- become a Greasy red paste on the wall. Yeah, you're a fine red mist getting shot out the back of the ship. Um, But you know, it's funny. I I think Einstein actually had some uh, some thought experiments about like generally this exact same thing. Uh, (laughs) Like 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 one of his famous ones was uh, you're in a a train car. Like think of a box car that's empty. Uh, you can't see the outside. It's entirely encased. And think of this train car as um, frictionless, entirely frictionless, but it's sitting still on a, uh, on a train track. You're inside this car, and you have a flashlight. If you turn the flashlight on, then light will leave your flashlight, go through the train car, and eventually hit the other wall on the, on the train car, right? Well, light actually has mass i mean there's mass. there's mass to it so when you turn on that flashlight like the train car technically would move uh somewhat because you've emitted light but once once the light hits the wall on the other side of the train car then the train stops moving uh so it well moves, yeah it would in that like the theory behind the m drive that we can't figure out how it works ba- yeah, basically yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ma- like i mean it's it's visible light versus like microwaves i think in the m drive but still same more or less Concepts. same principle. Yeah, some, somehow that thing is purported to produce a higher force or, or, or a net positive force in one direction, which means something moves, which is crazy. Yeah, you just jam AM radio and somehow you start moving. <laughs> <laughs> and depending on what channel you turn it to, you go faster or slower. Um, yeah, so NPR and or talk radio. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and the other other thing uh, people say that why why this isn't more commonly used is that hyperdrives are very expensive, right? Mm, uh, I mean, they're expensive, but they're not like cost prohibitive because there's entire fleets of ships that have them. In fact, in fact, every rebel ship has it. Every single yeah. rebel ship has so, it. So if an X-wing has this thing, though, it's like when they attack the Death Star. If they only used one X-Wing to take it out with hyperdrive, they lost one. Instead, they tried to shoot a proton torpedo into it, and they yeah. lost, like, their entire fleet of, like, 30 X-Wings and, like, 15 Y-Wings. 
They lost ev almost everything besides like three ships. And it's like, okay, so it doesn't make it. So it's, 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 it would be less expensive than at that point, instead of having to sacrifice all your ships to do it with conventional weaponry, you could just send a X-wing going barreling at it, you know, 299 million, uh, Meters a second at it. Well, okay. What if okay. the reason nobody's ever done it is because, like, if if you did do it, it caused some like black hole that swallowed the universe or something, or like summoned this like Satan Cthulhu. Or, yeah, Cthulhu comes Cthulhu. out. <laughs> so, so here's the here's the thing. Back to the whole empire bureaucracy thing. Obviously, the empire did some kind of cost benefit analysis on it, and they figured that Tie Fighters did not need. Uh, a hyperdrive because they do not they don't have they don't it. even have deflector shields well that's true i guess they tried yeah. to zerg it they just throw as many as they can at a absolutely problem. it's the, it's the sherman tank of space fighters <laughs> you're right it is just build as many as you can whatever hey we don't need we don't care if they're better than the tiger tank we got forty thousand of them <laughs> just, just march them out i mean if you if you shoot forty thousand rounds at a tiger tank it'll eventually blow up right <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I don't like the hyperspace ramming in episode eight at all. There's some holes. Um, so there's some. It, wait. <laughs> so if that's the biggest hole from that movie that we have a it's problem not, with. <laughs> no, no, it's the biggest. It's no, 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 no. It's the I think it's the largest hole on a tech standpoint. Yeah. In that movie. Sure. I mean, yeah. we can go down the rabbit hole, like just how bad it's written Whoa. and the plot. And <laughs> oh, we certainly can. But there's there's probably a dozen other podcasts like released this week that do the same thing. <laughs> but the so we'll just put that in the same bucket as how do people not spontaneously combust as soon as they turn on a lightsaber and you know all the other things that don't work in physics when it comes to Star Wars. It just hold. It, they're all sitting in that nice bucket of, okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. And so the next one I want to talk about is the twelve parsecs because this is with Solo. Oh, the Kessel Solo Run, movie. the Kessel Run, and this is Solo's famous line that shows Lucas has no idea what he was writing about. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Solo's line from the New Hope is uh, in regards to the Millennium Falcon is it made the Kessel Run in less than twelve parsecs. Which sounds impressive until you look up what a parsec is, and it's a distance of uh, it's it's a measurement of distance instead of time. So it's <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense, right? Until the solo movie, and they actually kind of explained right but without telling you, which is actually really well done. Like they don't go, they don't say twelve parsecs or whatever, um, or explain it at all. They just like show how he. It's basically a shortcut. It, they. The normal run, you have to run through a normal path that takes X distance, and right. he did it shorter. Um, the thing is, though, that's that's more of a piloting gloat, but he's gloating about the Millennium Falcon. And how fast it is. And how fast it is, which doesn't make any sense then, because any ship could take that shortcut. Ah, uh, but, but maybe right. not. But maybe not. Yes, Exactly. Because if the Falcon is, quote, the fastest ship in the galaxy, according to Han Solo, then it could fly closer to black holes, thus making the trip shorter. Right, right. That's the part where the maybe not comes in. Because you might be able to actually accomplish that shortcut. In fact, people might have been well aware of that shortcut and been like, well, we could do the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs, but nope, there's a black hole. 
Well, but that's the way that's the way the solo movie basically explained it is that like you you got to stay in the lane here. If you go into that schmoo floating off in space, nobody's ever come out of it. More or less, they kind of they don't really explain what that schmutz floating around is, but they pretty much the way you just put it, Steve, is how they put it. But still, it's still it's weird for Han Solo to boast like that would be like, yeah, well, it's uh it's it'd be like it's the only sports car to make the uh, drive from New York to L.A. in less than 100 miles. Like if you said that to somebody, they'd be like, what the fuck are you talking? Because it's not because it's not about a speed thing. Right. Because yeah, in that movie, like they're stuck in one spot, like slowly going away from the, the maelstrom that or right. maelstrom that's there. And so it's like it's clearly not faster. well okay so but it's kind of an analogy that i mean maybe this is a crappy analogy or something like that but like think of a game that you'd play maybe when you were a kid where it's like okay we have i don't know like pick 20 feet or a 50 feet or something like that and you have to count how many times you can jump in 50 feet you have to jump forward and like one guy's like well i jumped a hundred times in 50 feet another guy's like well i jumped a thousand times in 50 feet it's akin to that you know like you've done something Mm -hmm. within a certain distance not within a like it could take you a week to jump a thousand times in 50 feet who cares how long it took it's more about how far you went to accomplish that Mm-hmm. So I, the thing is though is you would have to know, like, because he's boasting to Luke Skywalker who has never been off Tatooine, right, and has no idea what the fuck the Kessel Run is. It's like I don't even know where Kessel <laughs> is, right. much yeah, less exactly. <laughs> There's a what run? the Kessel Run is, because yeah. like, because it's clear that Luke Skywalker doesn't even know what like how a hyperdrive works. Actually, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> let's let's acknowledge because look, they're in the ship. Yeah, because he's like, just punch it, man. Yeah, and then he's like, no, 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 I can't do that. But but, but no, but here's the thing. That ex- but what's so great about that, what's the only thing that Luke has really done? He shot rats in a desert from his, from his like, yeah. slow-flying little ship. Like, that is and the extent of And then they give him the equivalent of, of, like, an F-18 and, like, hey, good luck, buddy. <laughs> right, well, hey, you know, the Force, you know, it does stuff to you. Yeah, yeah. But, but at that point... Has he really done anything with the Force at that point? No. Not really. I mean, he he trained against that remote droid, and that's about it. Yeah. No, he did one thing. So wait, wait, wait. We argue about Rey, and Luke had done zero. No, 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 no. Don't you dare. No, because Luke's been piloting since he was a kid, and that's what his boast was all about. It wasn't about shooting rats. It was about piloting. So if we go back to our Force Adept conversation about the blind monk, and the fact that he's learned how to use the Force, maybe it's not through, like, the proper Jedi way. We're not saying that Rey... Okay, look. If Rey kicked Kylo Ren's ass with her little stick because of the Force, I would buy it all day long. I'd be like, okay, that's yeah, great. I I'll take there. it. But Rey picked up a lightsaber without ever having used... Fuck it. She's never even turned one on and <laughs> kicked a trained Sith Lord who's been training... Mind you, he's a Force user also, but has been training since he was a kid and whooped him up one side and down the other. That's what I have a problem with. Sorry, rant over. No, that's fair. That's totally fair. In every way, that is a fair argument. (laughs) So let's, let's think about what happened. Okay, Luke Skywalker actually turned on a lightsaber 
practice with it, had a few lessons with Obi-Wan on the Millennium Falcon, assumedly trained with with Yoda on Dagobah, hopefully. Well, uh, he also, well, his training on the Millennium Falcon is he was learning how to feel the Force. Right. And how to not even manipulate it, but just how to experience, like, how do you interact with it? Which is, that's all he does in that first movie. He's just interacting you know, with right, it. You're right, because he never actually uses a lightsaber for anything destructive in episode four. He doesn't, yeah. he. The only time he ever really holds it and turns it on was that scene on the Millennium Falcon, if I'm not well, mistaken. Well, and, and uh, the first time he turns it on is and in, in, his is hut. in uh, Obi-Wan's in hut. Obi-Wan's hut, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So let's remember the first time Luke turned on a, 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 a lightsaber to go have a fight. What happened? He, he got his ass kicked. He got his arm cut off. Like and, <laughs> That's true, he did. And, and Darth Vader was toying with him because he was trying to convert him to the dark side. Like, you get the sense that at any moment, Darth Vader could have just killed him. Oh, he could have. Oh, yeah. Like, for he sure. was a bug. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and that builds, that builds up the Vader character that much more. Exactly. So, I don't even know what we were talking about. You just... You just you, Parsecs, you just flipped, uh, flipped. Parsecs. Okay, parsecs. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Back to parsecs. So yeah, I, I mean, basically they redeemed Lucas's flub in Solo. But so okay, as you were explaining this, I had that thought though. There's so many Lucas flubs throughout the entire series that oh, have yeah. had to be justified. Yeah, somehow. Like, so many. Th- I mean, even something as basic as. Hey, up until like the second movie, Empire Strikes Back, Luke and Leia were supposed to be like, you know, love people, like I don't know, <laughs> in a relationship. <laughs> I, don't, I, I was going to put it some other poetic well, you, way. You mean, you mean just, Star Wars is not a story about incest? Well, it was supposed to be apparently, <laughs> but apparently you can just change your mind about major plot points all like up until the last movie in the series. Yeah. Hey, hey, I have to admit, I would I will, you know, golf clap for uh Disney for keeping the the Leia and Solo thing together. Like that's something they pulled from the from the post movie story stuff that uh I'm glad they did that. Leia and explain, what do you mean? Leia and Han get together? Uh actually getting married and having kids. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah and actually right. having kids. Like that's They screwed up. They screwed up. You know, because in, in the legends, they were supposed to have kids that ended up, they were supposed to be twins. And actually, so have you guys heard about, and maybe we're, maybe I'm skipping ahead here. I don't know. But episode nine signed on Carrie Russell as she's not credited. So nobody knows who she's going to play. But are you guys familiar with Carrie Russell? Do you know who she is? No. So uh, have you ever seen... um uh, the show The Americans. It's on FX. I think so. Russian yeah. spies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's the female lead in that huh. in that show. Awesome show. If you've never seen it, go watch it. Um, but there's there's all kinds of like fan theories flying around, and one of the theories is, is that she's like um, Kylo Ren's like twin sister, or one another theory is that she's like Mara Jade. No, they're, they're not gonna pull that out. Don't even get me started. Like, anyways, but. Well, the good thing is, is, is going back to the uh, Stevens point is in the aftermath of the book series, Leia's like pregnant. Hmm. Yeah. So. Yep. Yep. And it's it solo like one of the books. I think it's like the second book 
or is it the third book? I can't remember. Anyway, Solo has like this conundrum, like he's a smuggler and a scoundrel and a daddy, and <laughs> and now he's got to be a dad, and he just has this moral conflict, which I I read I uh, watched or I guess listened listened to those books uh, before I saw Solo, and then I saw Solo, and I appreciated like Solo's origin story way more after finding out like you know, what happens after episode six. So, so, okay. Uh, can we pause there for a second? Cause there's something that I'm confused about when it comes to solo. And maybe the fact that you've read this series might explain it a little bit more. Maybe not because the timeline is after the, the movies, but, but all right. So remember when solos in the, I guess the spaceport and his girlfriend just got locked behind the TSA check and station he, and or he whatever. He's got his TSA. new last name. Yes. Yeah. So there's walking around in that spaceport are a bunch of stormtroopers, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Stormtroopers in standard stormtrooper armor. You see the Imperial officer in his Imperial uniform. So right away, you're like, all right, this is Imperial time frame. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward to the end of the movie, Solo's girlfriend, and this is years later, by the way, gets on the, uh, you know, space Skype and starts talking to who? Darth freaking Maul. So either Darth Maul didn't Darth die, Maul didn't which die. which according to legends, which we don't know, but he, like he stapled his two halves back together or something and came back. It's actually so, more badass than that, though. He's actually part robot. Yeah, like, he's got like spider legs, I think. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but point is, is like either George Lucas or sorry Disney screwed the timeline up royally and those should be like clone troopers because stormtroopers didn't exist until the empire era or darth maul like is still alive in which case like why are we just seeing why didn't he show up he's still working for palpatine at that point no no he's he runs the black suns which is a like a uh a gang a space gang (laughs) and so he's in hiding because you got to remember, Palpatine, the Emperor, is still alive, and there can only be a master. Yeah, the rule of two. Apprentice, the rule of two. And so he's actually still alive. Hmm. And so he's in hiding because the Emperor would just come out and just, like, kill him. I get, uh, what, so he's just moving on from the whole Sith Lord thing? Is like, uh, You know, it was a phase. <laughs> Probably, yeah. He grew out of it. Well, okay, so okay. so also there's, there's a kind of... There's three <laughs> revisions to the standard issue Stormtrooper plastic armor. Uh, there's there's the prequels, the three prequels. Then there's four, five, and six. And then there's the seven, eight, and supposedly nine. I would think yeah. that what the, the time frame that you're talking about probably straddles right when they introduce the new Stormtrooper armor before four. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's right about that time frame. Either way, either way, um, Maul died before the clone army was even made. That's true. Well, died in quotation marks. True. So, so the only way that that timeline works is if he's still alive, like Parker said. Right. Yeah, yeah. he's still alive. I, he would be because Darth Maul's probably like in his. He looks like he's in his twenties if you can put an age on a. On a mall, yeah, on a mall, <laughs> um, and so he'd be probably bound. Oh, that would be because Anakin is like in his teen, uh, uh, late teens, like 
like 1920 when he turns into Vader. And so that would be 10 more years and then probably 10 more years after that. So he'd be like 40, 50. Yeah. And of course, he's an alien species, so, you know, he might not age yeah, the same. Not, yeah. Might be a midlife crisis for him. You never know. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I, I didn't mean no, to I, disrail the conversation there. No, but. no, the fact though is that he like turns on his lightsaber to like intimidate. It's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so great. It's like, yes, we know you are Darth Maul. Yeah, we got it. You just <laughs> carrying that thing around, just like, yeah. Darth Darth Maul is like the equivalent of somebody who has face tattoos. You know, like yes, <laughs> like yes, like that that doesn't define you, but it's also something that like. Well, if you got them, like, someone's going to look at them. You know, that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say he's like the equivalent of, like, Uncle Rico, like, always living in the past, back in his high (laughs) school days. Darth Maul's throwing footballs. Back in the day, I could throw this lightsaber over that pit, except I fell into it. (laughs) I was a a Sith Lord once. Did you know that? Yes, Maul. We know that. You've only told us that, like, three times this week. I took the Sith Lords to state. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, got your ass kicked by some dude with a side ponytail. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so 12 parsecs been redeemed. Millicolians have been redeemed. And hyperspace ramming still sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm, I'm, I'm on board with all three of those. Yeah. So, okay, let's, uh, let's move on into the RFO where we can kind of wrap everything up. Uh, so, I think... Uh, I think we'll, we'll we'll probably end up doing this every year just because it's fun. Uh, let's look at the predictions that we made last year for episode eight, and uh, and let's see what we got right and what we got wrong. Yeah. So Steven said uh, that Luke would die in episode eight, and Check. you were Bingo. right. Check mark there. Well, and, um, and I'm, I'm was... gonna I'm gonna put a question mark on the end of that. Like it wasn't necessarily confirmed, uh-huh. but. We'll see if he comes back as a ghost man. Which, by the way, we didn't dis- we didn't discuss ghost people in my Medichlorian thing earlier because my Fo- my theory oh, my theory can't answer that. My theory can't. It doesn't, it doesn't work. work for that. <laughs> <laughs> I avoided that topic particularly because of that. <laughs> oh man! Now we have to redo the podcast. <laughs> okay, I never said that. I did not say that. We're in too deep. Yeah. Okay. So, and then, uh, uh, Parker, you made the uh, the prediction that uh, Ray is a Jedi without training. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, she wasn't going to be a Jedi. Oh, or yeah, didn't like wasn't going to become one. Yeah. She's yeah, a she Protestant become, Jedi. <laughs> yeah, and I was wrong because it's called the Last Jedi. So. Well, okay. Um, Let's be honest. All she has is a bunch of like training manuals now. Yeah. So the thing is, though, I partially correct because actually if we go by Stevens or the idea that we came up with during this podcast where Jedi and Sith are just different religions for the force she's not a Jedi then she's just a force user yeah no no more than like owning a medical manual makes you a doctor that's true <laughs> that's a really good way of putting it yeah well no no not only that okay it's like she has a medical manual and a bible like those and and, yeah. and they both like reference each other somehow Right. Yeah. Um, and then our kind of like group idea was like Ray would change her name to Neo and yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. 
because oh yeah, that's right. Because the joke in the in the um, the joke that we had was like uh, at the end of episode seven, she would like just download how to be a Jedi and how to use the Force, <laughs> and then she could just use it. So Wouldn't it was like the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. And Dar- Darth Maul is um, Keanu Reeves, and he's just like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> what if I told you? <laughs> All right, let's move into predictions for episode nine. Yeah, so uh, my prediction is we're going to see a CGI Carrie Fisher. Uh, confirmed. Because they killed the wrong character yeah. in the, episode eight. The, the universe <laughs> handed Ryan Johnson a solution to a monumental problem on a silver effing platter. And what did he do? He did Mary Poppins force-flying Carrie Fisher back after she got blown up, like just kill her there, dude. That's you. The universe just the stars aligned. Yeah. End it. But no. Nope, yeah, and she's coming back. And let's be frank. The, Carrie Fisher's. Oh, oh, okay. Let's say that they did kill her that way. That would have been a better death than the way that Han yeah. Solo died in Seven. Right. Oh, and, and it would have getting it, gut shot by a lightsaber. It would have had more continuity too. Kylo Ren kills both his parents. Like. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it would yep. have been great. Yeah, although, although in in episode eight he wasn't the one who pulled the trigger that that blew up the ship. Right. He, he, he hesitated. Right. I have a yes, feeling right. that that was like edited to look that way. Like it probably maybe in the original. I don't know. Never mind. Yeah, in the original cut, he just flew like right at it and killed her. Yeah, he just <laughs> like boom hit the button dead. <laughs> that thing is in episode eight when that happened. Um, I was like. At that point, and when I was watching the movie, I'm like, okay, this is very interesting how it's going. Because like before that, you see like the bomber scene and stuff, and I I don't really have a problem with that. It, that scene looks really cool, but she like gets sucked out of the vacuum and like how like it was shot and how the music was like. I thought it was that was just it. Like, yep, that's how she dies, <laughs> and that would have been great. And then she goes spoonful of sugar on everybody's ass and floats her way back. Yeah, in. I was like. <laughs> And I was like, if she had an umbrella, that would have been <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. But the thing is, when she fl- when she supermaned back in, I'm like, I'm done with this movie. And it's yeah. like minute like 16 now into the movie. That's where they lost me right there. I was, yeah, like, I was like, right there. Fuck and, this movie. Yeah. Because guess who dies? Our favorite Mon Calamari. Yeah. yeah, they didn't, and they didn't even give a shit. That they didn't give a shit died. about him. Not a memorial service, no plaque, nothing. His, okay, so he sh- it should have been his head like floating through space. He's like, it's our trap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. So, what one of the one of the things that we actually put for one of the predictions is is Luke actually dead? I think he. I think we're gonna see Ghost Luke. We're gonna see. Mark Hamill, you know, pop up as a old man ghost. That's pretty much a guarantee. Yeah, you're gonna have Force Ghost Luke, I think. But okay, oh totally. Here's a prediction: Are we are we going to see? Are we gonna see Yoda, Luke, and Anakin pop up in nine? I think you pro- you might even see Obi Wan probably too. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay, actually, wait. But here's a good one. Are they going to George Lucas it and screw it up, and they're going to have young Luke as a ghost, like oh, like an, when they Anakin? did? Remember when they did in the oh, when yeah. George Lucas brought back young Anakin or whatnot as a ghost? Yes. That was awful. 
I think that would take more work than just putting Mark Hamill's old ass up on the screen. <laughs> so, Josh or Roz? Yo. Uh, what what's your prediction? On Force Ghost Luke? No, on episode nine. Oh, no, or just, just any prediction. Yeah, any yeah. prediction for episode nine. Um, well, so I think they've dug themselves into a lot of holes with, with eight that they're going to have to figure out how to dig out. See, my um, theory on that is it's going to be, it's going to just start as episode eight again. Yeah. Like, like Luke, like Luke opens his eyes and Ray's standing behind him. Let's pray. Let's, <laughs> let's pray. You're right. Let's, so that we can all forget that movie. Um, it won't happen though, but. Man, if only. Okay, so here's my prediction because I know the way this is going. Um, Ray is the hero. She lives through the end of the series, and everyone forget what happens to everyone else. Ray walks into the sunset, nose perfectly clean, and ha- happily ever after kind of scenario because this is the freaking uh, the mouse cult, and they're not going to screw up their their cash cow and their um you know their strong female lead. Man, she's the millennial Jedi. Are, are you are you jaded yeah. much there, Je- Roz? Uh, no, uh, yes. <laughs> you, don't don't even get me started. You want strong female lead? Uh, see Rogue One. Nobody gives props to Jyn Erso. She's stronger than Rey ever was, and didn't have to use magic, f- unearned force abilities to do it. Sorry, getting getting salty. But... <laughs> no, you're. you're I, I would 100 percent agree I, with I'll you. I'll be. I'm in on that too. Yeah, Jen Urso was incredible. So speaking of Rogue One, best Star Wars movies. Yeah. Um, I actually think Solo is like the best Star Wars movie. Mm. I think Rogue One... It's definitely the best Disney Star Wars movie. Oh, so I, I was about to say, I think Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie since the original trilogies. I, I, I think if if the... You know, you could rank them all. I'll do the first two. Personally, Empire Strikes Back and then Rogue One. I think that is, hmm. that's the the first two. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, well, I, I'd be Empires and then Solo. So there's there's a lot of things I liked about Solo. And and going, uh, as far as Rogue One is concerned, it's not a perfect movie by any means. There's, there's some questions that it raises, obviously. Uh, it's nothing on the level of, like, The Last Jedi, though. But I, I, I would put The Last Jedi at the very bottom of the list. Yeah. The absolute bottom. Worse it's than the, the prequels. Worse, it's the worst Star Wars movie ever made. Um, Solo, I think, was, was entertaining. It was good. I don't know. I, like, I'll go back to my original discussion around the whole Boba Fett thing. I don't really know, need to know how Han Solo got to the point where... Like, that was part of the mystery of Han Solo and why he was such an attractive character. I do like, I, I love the way that they made Chewbacca like an actual, he wasn't just a sidekick necessarily in mm-hmm. that movie. Now, this is the only, the only issue I have with Solo is why does Han know how to speak Chewbacca? Uh, uh, Chewbacca, Kesh- yeah, yeah. What is it, Kashyyyk? Well, Kashyyyk is the planet. Yeah, it's, oh, son of a, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm of looking that? it up right now. So like, but they, that's the only thing that, like, Shrewook. Shrewook. That's yeah. We both found it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so that thing is like, they don't explain that at all. He just knows how to speak it, and that no, just frustrates me. No, so I me. thought he made some comment about like, 
Oh no, it's it's right when he's like Chewbacca is about to drown him in the mud. He goes like, yes. "Yeah, I speak a little or something," and that's yeah. about the, all the explanation you get. Yeah, and it's just like that frustrates me because the rest of this movie is everything that happens happens for a reason and is explainable. Like no one does stupid things just to advance the plot, like in Rogue One. Um, wait, wait, hold up. You're gonna sh- you're gonna fire shots like that. You have to you have to defend them. <laughs> oh, on Rogue One. Yeah. Oh, the whole like, uh, like, not sending in like the the ships and stuff like that right away and like the. And, I, I yeah. so I agree with you. I think that the whole hey we're gonna go attack this giant imperial installation and with, come up with a plan in the Uber ride on the way over <laughs> is a exactly. little iffy. Yeah. Yes, that's like that's like oh we're gonna go we're gonna go break into Fort Knox and ah we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Along the way, yeah, yeah, it, it's different from in episode seven where Han Solo has a similar comment where like, oh yeah, we'll just like fly in and, and shoot shit because they've done that before and made it work. Apparently, it worked, <laughs> and it worked. Well, they've done it before. Like Han Solo and crew has done that before, and it's worked. And so when he makes that as a joke, you buy it. Hmm. Whereas yeah. in this case, it, you you don't know. The, char- the characters haven't proven that at all, and yeah. you know what? Actually, let, let let me bring up one quick slight tangent that goes into technology. So, so the one of the first times we see Han Solo do exactly what you're talking about is when they get trapped on the Death Star in A New Hope. And what do they have to do? They have to turn off the tractor beam. And what do you have to do to turn a tractor beam off? You have to go on, like, the most possible dangerous, like, catwalk <laughs> and, and, like, solve a Rubik's Cube <coughs> to to turn off a tractor beam, you know? like <laughs> The best thing is the Empire does not believe in railings. They cost too much. Oh, yeah, no, no. OSHA yeah. does not exist in, in Star Wars. No. Not at all. Star Wars, yeah. Well, no. the thing is, like, railings, oh, yeah, if we don't build railings, that's the thing is, the Death Star's, like, think about how much railing would, like, add to the weight and cost to the Death Star. Yeah, once again, someone did a cost analysis of life <laughs> versus railings, and they're like, well, they're clones, so, you know, like, railing is Well, no, expensive. It's, it's, you got to see is, if the person falls off, you got to pay their family and the lawsuit and all that stuff. No, 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 no. Clearly, the empire is self-insured. Otherwise, you don't. You're not able to make decisions <laughs> like that. You couldn't get an insurance policy without railings. You're actually probably right. They're probably self-insured. Oh, they, uh, it's, it's a guarantee, um, pretty much. It's a. Uh, um, I, I was going to try to make a joke about like the emperor is like the insurer or something. But <laughs> I, I lost train of thought on that one. <laughs> emperor Insurance Inc. <laughs> Call the Empire. 1-800. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that 1-800-DARKSIDE. Oh, that's, that's a robot chicken sketch now. Have you, guys seen, have you guys seen all the like old Soviet uh, propaganda posters that are redesigned with the Empire? Oh, yes. They're absolutely amazing. Like, you know, like the line art stuff where it's like, you know, Vader being like, yeah. I want you to join the Empire. So great. Wait, I think you sent that to me. Yeah, I need to get some of those posters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a basement, like, man cave material right Oh, for there. sure, yeah. yeah. Do your part, soldier, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so long story short, I liked Solo. Um, I, to me, it was like a... It was exactly what it was. It was like an entertainment spinoff, right? It yeah, was like, yeah. Eh, good movie. Could I have done without it? Yeah. 
Yeah, but Rogue One would have been the same thing. I mm, they they weave Rogue One into the primary storyline of That's true. Star and Wars. And it solves some issues with Star Wars. In fact, it solves some of the biggest issues with Star Wars, uh, i.e. the trash port in the in the Death Star. Like it solves yes. that. That's a huge issue. It was intentional. Yeah, no. There's there's skits about it about how stupid yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and and skits about how stupid it is that they did it a second time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um well the thing the the, the reason why I put Solo above Rogue One is Rogue One the first third of that movie is kind of slow. It is. And it pays off in the end, but like Solo is just so consistent in its delivery of its jokes. The storyline, how it's set up, and yeah, yeah, it was a little too slapstick for me, like uh, a little too kind of like goofy but the thing on is, the comedy part. But the thing is, Han Solo and Chewie have were always that kind of comic relief yeah. in in the original four, five, and six. Yeah, uh, so I know that some people had like serious issues with the actor they got to play Han Solo. I, I didn't. He see was great. Wrong with him. I know. thought it was, it was he. I, yeah, I, I mean, he's not Harrison name. Ford. If you're looking for somebody who's Harrison Ford quality, well, he's Indiana freaking Jones. He's Han Solo. You're never going to replace yeah. that. But the thing is, though, is he didn't try to imitate Harrison Ford's acting style. Or, but it was just he got this. He got a, a a legit smirk and his swagger when he walked was like sold the character. But 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 he but you it. could but the thing that they did well is you could see that Han Solo, the one that we all know and love, evolved out of that character. They did a good job yeah, of making yes. that. And and one thing that I really love that they did is the first time that he goes and plays cards with Lando, you, you the whole time you're thinking you're like, "Oh, this is where he gets the ship." This and he does he gets not. It. He yeah. 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 And that was so great. Yeah. That was fantastic. Oh yeah. That was good. I I so the Lando character too. I I more or less like how they spun him. Um, I liked it a lot. I, I was okay with the whole Lando character. It was pretty cool um, how they, you know, made his, like, it was like the Lando, like, Billy D. Williams, like, smooth-talking. Mm-hmm. I think Donald Glover pulled it the off. The way great. Lando should be. a great character. And I really like right. it. And they really play off the, yeah, Han Solo and Lando are, like, friends. They're, like, right. frenemies. Right, because it explains that whole scene on the uh, on the dock, the landing dock. Yeah. <laughs> you got a whole lot of nerve coming around here. Yeah, and then they end, <laughs> end up bro hugging it out, and it's just they, they set it up perfectly because you know how Han Solo basically calls him out and as a cheat, um, but without like actually like tarnishing his his name. Um, and actually, you know what? So. That, that that sort of makes sense that. Okay, so yes, agreed, frenemies kind of thing. But if they, if the connection that they, the, those two characters have is what we've seen in the solo movie, and if there's not much more of a connection beyond that, it sort of makes sense that Lando would betray Han on Bespin in Empire Strikes Back. Because, like, right. yes, they were close, but they weren't, like, best buddies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, just to... To, to defend my my choice of Rogue, Rogue One, just to wrap up my opinion on the whole best movies thing. Obviously, the tr- the original trilogy stands for itself. You know, everyone has their own opinion on that that they developed when they were kids. Since then, the prequels are, eh, 
Rogue See, One, the, I think. The well, thing is, I rewatched the prequels. Yeah. And I have two since I had kids. I had to show them, right? I yeah, can't and just they're, they're they not. Exist. I mean, it's like, yeah, some of the acting's really bad. Like, I'll put this way Lucas cannot write and direct a love scene at all. Like, how humans. He doesn't know how humans interact, he just can't write it. <laughs> The biggest problem with the prequels, I mean, midi chlorines aside and stuff, which we've solved that issue tonight. The biggest problem with is the the way they wrote Anakin Skywalker. If you fix that, you fix the prequels. It, there's nothing else really in the prequels that is, you know, damaging, right? It's Anakin Skywalker. How much of like a whiny little millennial pretty boy he is, more or less. Um, but Rogue, going back to Rogue One. The way, what I like about Rogue One, they don't have to have a happy ending. Everyone dies, right, at the end. They leave the mystery of who these characters are. Like, you don't figure out who the dark troopers are, these death troopers, these black storm troopers, right? That's badass. You you don't figure out um, any of the backstory of Cassie and Andor when he's talking about, you know, to Jyn or so. Yeah, I've lost. I've been in this war since I was six. You're not the only one who's lost everything. Like, okay, awesome. Like, you, you your brain. It's that that mystery and that 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 like imagination that it the original trilogy did when they're talking about like, oh, you fought in the Clone Wars. Oh, great. What are the Clone Wars? Now my brain's going crazy. Oh, you don't have to freaking make an entire movie about it. <laughs> that that kind of ruins the the mystery of the Star Wars. Well, universe. okay, let, let me let me um, throw a monkey wrench in there real quick. Uh, so yeah. all the all the quote main characters that die in Rogue yeah. One are not main characters. There is one main character True. in Rogue One, and you know what it is? It's the Death Star. The the Death Star is the main character <laughs> of Rogue One, and the Death Star survives Rogue One. So the main character actually is. It passes on through that, and really, it's right, an extension but, of four. That's all it really uh, is. So, but but so contrast that with the Last Jedi, and you've got Finn in his little sand speeder going straight towards the the lightsaber battering ram thing that they're that they're trying to crack the uh, oh know, yeah the, the base. ginormous lightsaber on the on the crystal fox have. yeah that was laid um and he's he's like full speed ahead gonna kamikaze save everyone. And then they had girl run into him and like save him and like let him die. That is like if Rogue One had like the if that same attitude was applied to that movie that was applied to Rogue One, they'd have let him run into that lightsaber thing. Everyone be saved. But they had <laughs> run into him and now everything's better. My have to edit yeah. that. Out. <laughs> <laughs> My point is, is like you. You don't have to save everybody's character. You don't have to, like, your favorite character can, like, be a legend by sacrificing themselves for the greater good. Rogue One did that. Rogue One didn't have a problem doing that. And because of it, Rogue One, I think, is a superior movie to any of the ones that have been created pretty much since the last, the original trilogy, in my opinion. I'll agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Rogue Rogue One's excellent. Um, And... uh, Man, that scene in Last Jedi with the, the land speeder kind of things. It's, it's like frustrating. So, yeah, because Finn is okay. We're going to go on this tangent. Finn is like going full speed at this like lightsaber cannon. It's a, right? it's, it looks like the Hadron Collider. Yeah, yeah. But then <laughs> and then he's saved by I can't, Rose. I can't, Rose, yeah. Rose, yeah. Rose. Saved by Rose by being like, how does she catch up to him to save him? 
Well, also, also yeah. like one scene later, they're back at the base, and they did it on yeah. foot. On foot. Yeah, they just like hop, skip, and jump right on back with all the empire behind yeah. them, like, and they're like miles yeah. away from the the the. the and he's base. hauling ass. It's like, how does this happen? Yeah, it, it, uh, that well. was kind of li- that's that's artificial drama that's been boiled up. Right. Well, it's also like the whole thing in the Last Jedi with the whole casino thing, where like rich people are evil is basically the story there. Uh, Space Dallas. Uh, <laughs> well, and the camel horses, right? Oh, you know, the whole, um, let's let the camel horses free and everyone's happy. <laughs> Screw the child slaves, but the camel horses are free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. They kind of do that, don't they? Yeah, but but one of the one of the little children, they, they show him. He's, uh, well, by, by the new standards, he's a Jedi. He's a Protestant yeah. Jedi. Yeah, he's a Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so anything else, guys? We've gone on for like an hour in like yeah. We, this is, I'll say no. Otherwise, otherwise we'll go on for yeah. Hour like we yeah. We've done pretty good so far. <laughs> Great. Well then, uh, Roz, thank you so much for joining us on the third yeah uh, Star Wars Christmas special. Would you like to sign us out? Yeah, let's do it. I appreciate the invite, guys. It was a lot of fun. So. With that being said, that was the third annual Macrofab Star Wars Christmas special podcast. I was your guest, Josh Rozier. And we were your hosts, Perky Dillman. And Stephen Craig. See you later, guys. Take it easy. Thank you, yes you, our listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, topic, or Star Wars fan theory that you want Stephen and I to discuss, tweet us at MacFab or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our amazing Slack channel, which we discuss Star Wars all the time. Well, not really, but yeah. If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button. That way you get the latest MEP episode right when it releases. And please review us on iTunes as it helps this show stay visible and helps new listeners find us.